0: Father, thank you again for for your word. We thank you that it is that it is alive, that is active, that it touches us in every part of our lives, and there is no part that you're not concerned about. So today, Father, we pray that as we deal with this very uh, different kind of situation today, as we as we talk about how it is that we that we get ready to serve and that we that we that we find ourselves serving. Like our Savior Jesus Christ, Father, we pray that that Jesus would be glorified and that our lives would be changed. We pray these things in Christ's most precious name, Amen. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Barb and I celebrated our 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 wedding anniversary, and we went down to we were going down to um, Monterey and to spend a little bit of time down there a couple of days, and and I started doing some research because we hadn't been down there for years and years and years, and just for a short, real short time. Uh, less than a day had we ever been there. And so we were kind of looking at what we could do and and went online and I found a place that had like 250 things to do or 250 some odd things to do uh, in Monterey. And I was going through the list, thinking of things, well, that'd be fun to do. Well, we don't want to do that. And, uh, And that kind of a thing. And I came across one that I thought Barb would be very interested in. And I said, Barb, this is... This is something that we're gonna have to do. In fact, people have, have written on there that they when they come to Monterey, they come and they never come without going to this place. And and so she got a little intrigued and she said, What is it? And I said, It's called it's a place called Comfoot Joy. Or Comfoot Foot something, I don't know, Joy, I think. And uh, it was a massage place. It's actually a Chinese massage place. Where they massage your feet? That was their that was their specialty, and I said, "Look, you can go and get a foot massage there, uh, and it'll make your feet feel better." And and she said, "Good, we'll do that." And I and I and I not tell her, but but when I looked at it, I was thinking she would do that, and and she seemed to think that I was volunteering both of us to go, and then I didn't know how to get out of it because it was our anniversary, and so I'm thinking, ah. Oh. And, you know, and it was it was one of those weird things because it, it's kind of like if you've ever, I don't know, if you've ever been to a foot-washing service. We don't do those as Southern Baptists, but you could actually go down the street to to the Free Will Baptist Church at the corner, and they would do that a lot. Or maybe you've been to a leadership conference or you've been to a to a youth camp or something, and they were having a foot-washing ceremony. And, and people get real antsy about that. You know... Um, it, sometimes it's about you know i i really just wasn't really thrilled about somebody I didn't know touching my feet but you know it's it's usually not the other way around it's usually not about i don't want to touch their feet it's about I don't want somebody touching my feet and that's not an uncommon thing if you if you look at testimonies of people who even are involved in Foot washing ceremonies from a from a Christian standpoint. It's not about I don't mind getting down and, and washing somebody else's feet. It's I don't really want them touching my feet. Um, and and so if there was a part of the Christian life that maybe we could just completely ignore, uh, this might be it. Um, and and we come to this story today, where where we have to where we have to kind of deal with it. Um, we come to a story today where. Peter has kind of the same objection uh, about someone washing his feet. He didn't feel completely comfortable with it, but Jesus is teaching uh, his disciples some lessons about himself, about Jesus himself, and and about themselves, and some lessons about how they were to relate to one another and to the world around them. And and today we're going to take a closer look for just a few minutes at this story uh, we normally think of it as a demonstration of a type of servant attitude that we're to have toward each other and, and that's certainly uh, it's certainly part of that but there are some other truths here that I want us to explore today as we consider maybe a, a, a deeper level of meaning of, of this story than what we normally would think about um, because because one problem we have in approaching um, this story is that, that it that we don't fully understand the significance of of, of what was going on with Jesus' actions because of the culture we live in. Um, we're not, we're not, it's not really something that we deal with every day. It's not part of our lives. But But in the days of the New Testament, the days of Jesus, the roads of Palestine were not paved. They weren't, they, they weren't even gravel. They were just dirt. They were dusty. And so if you, would, if you walked and you walked everywhere you went, so everywhere you went, when you got there, if you went to somebody's house or to a place of business, whatever it might have been, you, you might have been clean from the ankles up, but your feet were dirty. You wore sandals. And so everything about your feet was, were, was pretty grungy at that point. And so it was not uncommon to walk inside of the door, and there would be a, usually a pitcher of water a, or a big basin of water and then there would be pitchers or, or little bowls that were there and, and you would take off your sandals and a servant would come over and would begin to wash off your feet. The person you were visiting might be standing there saying, Hi, how you doing? Glad you're here to visit and, and you're just you're just shooting the breeze with them, but somebody you don't know, somebody that you don't even give any attention to, some a slave is washing your feet. And that was normal. That that's what happened on a regular basis, but you did not give any attention to them but in this story it things change here all of a sudden it's the night of the last supper and jesus has told his disciples to arrange it but he's there first now and they come and he's already there and when they come in they come in with the dirty feet they take off their sandals like they normally would expecting that there would be a servant or a slave who would come over and wash their feet jesus takes off his outer clothing he wraps a towel around his waist he gets the bowl and he bends down on his knees, and he begins to wash the feet of the disciples, and and then the story continues. It's a story we're very familiar with, um, but we, we, we understand um, how that is. But I want you to imagine, if you will, if you were to go to work one day, and, and your boss called you and the other employees into the conference room, and as you came in, he, he took out a brush, and he took out um, a rag and he took out some polish and he got down on his hands and knees and he very meticulously started to polish every one of your of the shoes of his employees. You say, well, that, that would never happen where I worked. Well, for the disciples, for the apostles, this should have never happened either. That Jesus would be the one washing their feet. And so why did Jesus do it? That's what we're going to look at today. We are in begin. We're talking about how to serve like Jesus. We're on this journey to this road of faith. How do we live the Christian life? And one of the basics that we have to look at, we looked at the basic of of having faith. We looked at at the basic of prayer. We looked at at the basic of of spiritual growth. And today we're talking about serving, but serving like Jesus. How do we begin to serve like Jesus? Jesus gives us that example because as I looked at this story over the last couple of weeks, um, there were some things that began to come to the surface. When Jesus washed their feet, Jesus was communicating some certain spiritual truths to his disciples. And and since we are his disciples as well, then we need to assimilate. We need to take in and begin to use those spiritual truths in our lives. So I want to share with you three truths about service Uh, that we need to know. Three ways that we need to serve like Jesus that we need to put into practice, if you will. The first one is that Jesus wants you to know the full extent of His love. Jesus wants you to know the full extent of His love. Here in John chapter 13... uh, In John chapter 13 see this story take place, and read with me in verse 1. Follow along. It says, it was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. And now, I want you to underline the rest of this verse. He now showed them the full extent of his love. Read that with me. He now showed them the full extent of His love. And He invited them in to hear Him preach. Right? No. He invited them in to a seminar. No. He invited them in, got down on His hands and knees, and began to wash their feet. He said, I am going to show you the full extent of my love in John's words. Those are not my words. Those are John's words. And he wants their feet. Jesus gave a servant. Matthew 20, 28. Matthew said, uh, Jesus says there, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. I know you're called and I'm called to serve Jesus. And I talk about it. I preach about it pretty much every week. But I want you to realize where the process begins. How do I get to that place where I can serve Jesus? How do I get to that place where I can serve the people in my church, where I can serve my community? It happens because I learned to let Jesus serve me. Jesus came to be a servant. He came to be a servant of all. I'm part of all. You're part of all. Jesus came to serve us. And until we learn that, until we can incorporate that into our lives, we will never be able to serve others. We'll never be able to serve him appropriately. We'll never be able to serve our world until we understand what that means, that Jesus came to minister to you and to me, and he came to, to meet your needs. He came to fill that void that is in your life and to take away the pain and the sorrow and the guilt and the rest frustration that comes with life, and he came to, to, to replace it with peace that passes all understanding, and he came for you in order to serve you. Now, the most obvious example of this is his death on the cross, isn't it? In Philippians 2, we have this very familiar passage of scripture um, where we read um, Philippians 2, 6 through 8, talking about Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. The greatest example of Jesus' servanthood then was going to the cross, but that wasn't the only time that he served. And and Jesus' life here on earth was all about serving humankind. And he came to serve, and he serves still. And, and there are some uh, who will... Who will be taken aback by that idea. Maybe you're saying, you know what, uh, what do you mean God serves us? That can't be true. We serve Him. Yeah, I, I know that we that we live, we're to live a life of service, but, but I want you to understand that what, what comes first. And the first part is that you have to experience Jesus serving you, blessing you, ministering you to you some of you will remember that a few years back a little booklet came out a little book it was called the prayer of jabez and it became very popular but a lot of people were troubled by the first point of the prayer because the first point of the prayer that jabez prayed was lord bless me indeed and and that didn't resonate with a lot of people a lot of good Baptists said, well, that's, that's gotta be blasphemy. Lord, to bless me indeed. Um, uh, because it seems materialistic, it seems self absorbed, and and um and, and however the fact is that you can't give to others, you can't give back to God what you have not received, can you? You've got to receive it before you can give it away. You've got to receive material blessings before you can give them away uh, of of any sort. It might be a little or a lot, but you can't give what you don't have. You can't give spiritual blessing. You can't be a blessing to somebody else if you haven't been blessed yourself. And so you can't be a blessing until you're blessed. And you can't give away God's love until you receive God's love. And you can't pour out your life for others until God has poured out his life into you personally. So the question is, what do you need from Jesus? How oh, can he help you? Maybe you need a friend who loves you, uh, who accepts you as you are, who forgives your mistakes and encourages you to try again. Jesus came to be that kind of friend. Maybe today uh, you, you say, I need strength of character. I need a stronger will. Um, maybe you need healing. Um, maybe it's physical. Maybe it's emotional. But he came to minister to you in those areas as well. And he, and he serves you in those areas. And and, and maybe uh, the, the, the full extent of God's love for you is that Jesus Christ came into the world to serve his people. And that includes us here today. So, if you find yourself with some residual pride and and, uh, and residual guilt that causes you to say, That idea that Jesus came to serve me and he still wants to serve me today, then I want you to to notice the next truth of the story. Not only does Jesus come so that we would know the full extent of his life, secondly, then we have to understand beyond that that there is no other model for the Christian life. There is no other model for the Christian life. Jesus washes the disciples' feet that night. And when he got to Peter, what does Peter do? Objects. Almost count on that. Verse 8 No, said Peter. You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash your feet, unless I wash you rather, you have no part with me. If you don't allow Jesus to wash your feet, to minister to you, to meet your needs, you can't be a part of it. The defining element of the Christian life is not what we do for him, but what he does for us. The defining element in your Christian life is not what you do for Jesus, but what Jesus does for you. One time I heard a man talking uh to a group of people about his ministry and he made what sounded like a very noble statement. He said he said, I do all this work and I give God all the glory. God gets all the glory. And and people were applaud claw- there was this round of applause, but, but you know what? Uh, that's not really how it works at all, is it? That's not how it works. Uh, if you think that you're going to do everything for God, that you're going to be a big help for his cause and be be an indispensable player on his team, then you're headed for a heartache because that's not the model, that's not the paradigm of the Christian life. Not at all. That's not how it works. You don't and I don't come to God with our plate full and share with him out of the abundance of our strength, out of the abundance of our goodness, and out of the abundance of our talent. When we come to God, we come to him with an empty plate. We come to him with nothing to offer at all. And he says, here, let me wash you. Let me cleanse you. Let me make take away the dirt out of the, of the past and, and clean you again. Uh, let me serve you. Let me help you. And he says, this is the only way. And unless I wash you, you have no part of me. Phrase, Unless I wash you. It's referring not only to forgiveness or salvation. Because Jesus says in verse 10, A person who has wrath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. If he's speaking symbolically here, then then he'd be talking about salvation. But when he says to Peter, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. He's referring to, think, to that daily, ongoing relationship that we have with him in which he ministers to us, where we come to him again with our plate empty, with all the mistakes, with all the problems that we have in our lives, with all the failures, and he cleanses us. And he restores us. And we find then the ability to serve him. And so he's referring to the totality of, of our involve of his involvement in our lives, and and, and that's the only way that it can be uh, that we come to him dirty, and he makes us clean, and we come to him weak, and he makes us strong, and we come to him empty, and he fills us up. Um, there are some of you today who maybe you're frustrated by by um, your failure in the Christian life, and and you've tried to, to to get on God's good side by being better than you really can be. You ever tried to do that? You ever try to be better than you can be? Just so you can press with God, It never works, does it? Because you can't be that good, and it just never works. And you tried to win points with God by by doing Him favors, and and uh, and and God isn't asking for any favors from you. Uh, and you say, well, well, I'll give some money, or I'll give some time, or I'll I'll do some good deeds, and I'll help others, and I'll do all that work, and and God will get all the glory. Um, and and wanting to glorify God with your life is 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 the right idea but you got to start at the right place. And the right place is with that empty plate. And you got to let Jesus minister to you and you got to let him feed your soul and and strengthen your spirit and you got to you got to let Jesus feed you. And and take away your sins and take away your hurts and you got to let him serve you in those ways and you got to you've got to let him do those things first and you let him do those every day. Not just once. And there is no other model for the successful Christian life. And, and you've got to put away that idea that we come to God with brilliant words of praise powerful deeds of service and that's not how it works at all. Those things will happen in your life. But only if you're on a consistent basis me again. First, in saying to Jesus, I want to allow you to serve me. Jesus wants you to realize the full extent of his love for you. He wants you to understand that there is no other model for the Christian life. And then he wants you to follow his example of servanthood. He wants you to follow his servant, His example of servanthood, the third truth that. In verses 12-15 here of John 13, it says that when he had finished washing your feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. understand what I've done for you, he asked him. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly and so, for that is what I am. And now that that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do, as I have done for you. You know, I, I probably, and I don't expect I will ever be in this kind of a place in my in my ministry here on earth. But there are people who are, who are pastors who are who are at a level it seems where they think that they are. That they have to be removed from the people that they minister to. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna suppose that if you were a, a, a diehard Roman Catholic today, that you could not call up the Pope and say, "Hey, I'm gonna be in Rome next week. I'm gonna push you know. me Gonna happen? You're on this. You haven't seen him on the street. He's in a pope mobile that has a dome over it, from shooting him and getting close to it. Um, I know a pastor in San Diego, he's at a, at a as a mega church, and, and he's a great guy from all, and, and you probably have heard him on the radio, you've read his books and stuff like that, but you know, um, when he comes to church, the few times of the week that you'd ever see him in church, he comes with a bodyguard, or bodyguards. And nobody walks up to him and talks to him because you can't get that close to him. He comes in, he goes to the pulpit, he preaches, and he leaves again. And that's it. You never, you never can can talk to him, you never can touch him, you never will see him on a one-to-one basis. You've got other pastors that will take care of that, but he doesn't do that because of the threats that that, that he receives. And it's amazing you when know, you're a pastor, and people don't like him. Uh, you know our our daughter's church in Oklahoma. Oklahoma, the Bible Belt. Oklahoma, the most church um, state of the Union. Oklahoma, um, one of the biggest churches in Oklahoma. Former pastor, who's now the president of an international mission board, had his house burned down two times. That two houses burned down by arson. But somewhere there is that loss of. Of touch, there's that loss of, of, of there's that insulation that happens. Now I haven't walked in their shoes, and I don't and I don't want to judge them, but I but but I do know that 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 those kinds of pastors live that select who maybe who live a celebrity lifestyle are missing out a lot on serving others one to one face to face and in community. But then there are guys like. Bruce Wilkerson, crossing the switchback, Rick Warren down in Southern California, and others, and um, they could pick back and relax, money, and just from books they've sold that, that that they they can live a celebrity lifestyle. They don't need to. They don't even need a pastor. They don't need a paycheck. Um. But, but they're they're. They're servants at heart. They get down and they get dirty. They they get on their hands and knees and they wash the feet. They serve the people that God has given to them, and I and I admire that kind of commitment. And that's the example that we need to follow. Um, there's a pastor that I'm aware of that uh, I know him uh, as a friend, as kind of a acquaintance friend. But he tells a story uh, about before he was a pastor, before he was when he was a student and he was working in a company and living in an apartment, uh, um, and he says that, and this is these are his words, he says, when you live in an apartment, the dumpster is often a long way off, and so you get in the habit of putting your trash by the front door so that you remember to take it out next time you leave. That's what a college student would do, and, and so I'm not going to make an extra trip down there. I'll just wait. And go there and I'll it in. And so one day, he says, my boss came to my house. We talked for a few minutes, and he left. And a few seconds later, I looked at my front door, and I saw that the trash bag was gone. I looked out the window, and there he was, walking across the parking lot to dump my trash in the bin. He said, my first thought was, he shouldn't be taking out my trash. I should be taking out my trash. My second thought was that this is completely consistent with his character. He had a way of serving his employees, of looking out for them and taking care of them. And through his example, his employees learned how to serve the customer. On the other hand, the story is told of Rock Hudson, the actor, when he first came to Hollywood, to take and, a and the story goes that after the meal, uh, Rock Hudson put his knife and his fork on his plate, and he covered him with his napkin in order to make it easier for the waiter to remove them. And his agent scolded him. He said, you're not a busboy. You're a Hollywood star. Learn to act like one. I don't know how he acted after that, but Jesus would say just the opposite than than what his agent said. Jesus would say, you're not a star. You're a servant. Practice and then I think Jesus would say you can follow my example I look after you I serve you I minister to you I meet your needs according to my riches and glory I do this for you so that you will be empowered to do it for others because there's no better way to live And to influence people, than to serve them, and that's our model of service and discipleship. We share with others how the fullness of service and discipleship that God has put into our lives. We've all heard the say, "We're blessed to be a blessing," and that's true. Jesus washed the feet of his disciples that evening, and he symbolically wants to wash your feet too. You've got to let him. you got to come to Jesus every day. You need to say, Jesus, I'm empty. My plate is empty. My feet are dirty. My life is empty. There's pain there. There's hurt there. And, you, and there's sin that shouldn't be there. And I want to be able to serve you. I want to be able to serve others, but I can't. He says, then let me serve you. And he washes you again. And he makes you whiter than snow. And you come empty and you go away full. And everything that he pours into your life, you pour then into the lives of others, and you serve them because Jesus has served you. And that's how we put the spiritual principle that he taught that evening in place where we learn how to serve Jesus. This week. We must serve. Or you can serve that got to let Jesus serve you. Let's pray together. Father, right now, as we come into your presence, we thank you for our Savior, Jesus. He's going, serve you. He's going to serve us. We didn't deserve any service. Anymore. Father, today, maybe we're, we're just so joyful that we can save you. We didn't serve you. We not Thank you.